Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. All right, just go with it. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast, Strong Opinions Weekly Held about Christianity, the church, and beer. I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how's it going? It's going all right. I think it's always good on this podcast to know that me and Tim are real, actual people that have real and actual problems. We've been on a <laughs> we've been on a hiatus for the past couple of weeks um, right now, and I mean, it's perfectly just fine to say it continuing forward. Just been struggling mental health wise over the past couple of weeks. Um, just need to get in the habits of making sure that I'm doing what I need to do to take care of my my body and my brain. Um, and so it's been tough uh, the past couple of weeks, but uh, we're being optimistic. Things are, are getting better um, day by day, working on it, doing what we need to do um, to do all right. Um, and so... Uh, today's been a pretty good day so far, so that's um, been good to say. Um, and why I say it's May, it's uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. So um, if you know anybody that's got any mental health issues, uh, show them some love. Um, there's a lot of us out there. So, yeah. How about you, Tim? How you doing? Uh, week was a bit up and down. Didn't really end on a high note, but I can't really go into that, but just... People should know too. Um, things aren't always cherry for the both both of us. So uh, struggle with things. Got stuff going on at work. Uh, so, but otherwise, things are going pretty well. Yeah, we normally record on a Tuesday, but today's a Saturday. Nice Saturday. It's uh, a going great into Saturday the today. Memorial Day weekend, which we didn't have on the list of things to talk about. I think we should probably talk about that real quick. Yeah, uh, we'll do well. beer of the week first, and then. We'll do a little discussion about Memorial Day. I know you and I probably are a little less gung ho than your average American churchgoer, but I don't gun want ho? to. Is that what uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, we can talk about it. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be great. So this week's beer of the week is. Is this one is a winner winner chicken dinner? It first of all, I've already opened it up. It does taste really good. Yes, it is called. It's by Barrel Brothers up in Sonoma County. They're in Windsor, which is where our favorite Russian River is headquartered as well. It is called Icy Hops Cold IPA, and the can looks like you are buying uh, Icy Hot. Yeah, it looks like Shaquille O'Neal advertises this. And so you explain all the wonderful little things that are on the can. Yeah, it just says, you know, it, it, the whole design of the can is to look like the whole Icy Hot package. So there's the there's the prescription stuff on the back. 
there's you know it's extra cold dry hopped uh targeted thirst relief quick cool formula icy to cool hops to refresh stops thirst at the source there's directions you know adults over 21 years open one icy hops ipa apply a generous amount to mouth area drink until thirst dissipates repeat as necessary um, just really funny you know it's really good for it's a it's a hoppy therapy for thirst perfect for dry mouth hoppy cravings long days hot weather you know hair of the dog all that kind of stuff so uh very well put together can love creative people doing fun stuff um and it was a really clever idea um great job so and it's really tasty so yeah i've had this sitting in my fridge i think for two three weeks and i told you i i saw the icy hops and thought that was clever enough and that it was a cold ipa and, and you've been really enjoying cold ipas but did not at all pick up on everything else until we got them out of the fridge this morning and you were noticing all the other details that are on this can. So just giggling and quacking. Myself yeah. Over here. Well done. So, and yet, like we said, the flavor inside matches the cleverness on the outside. Yeah. Really good. It even has the ingredients. It says, uh, active ingredients, two row. I don't know what that means. Uh, Nick Roberts, you probably know what that means. Premium Pilsner malt. CTZ for the boil, Azaka in the Whirlpool, and then Simcoe, Strata, and Cascade for the dry hop. So, a lot of different things. So, anyway. Okay, if you just joined us, we're talking about who is the best lord. Lord of the rings, of the dance, or of the flies. That's tonight's hot topic. Hot topic. Yeah, Memorial Day. So we reference a lot on this podcast, the church we used to go to, very traditional, uh, probably 90% of the people there are conservative Republican, the 10% that aren't are old school Democrats, so they don't agree on a lot of things, but they're like FDR Democrats, so they're still very... Uh, pro flag and uh, a lot of that kind of thing so memorial day was a big deal at that church uh and you know i understand why but it got a little overboard i think the longer i was there uh and a lot of veterans served in that church that church had been around for 125 years so they'd had plenty of people and they took the church did a very good job over that 125 years taking meticulous notes of who was going there so they had a list of all the veterans and who died in most of the wars going way back so uh kudos to them but just a lot of times got a little too patriotic and crossed over into the boundary that we you and i have been critical of and will remain critical of and are pushing on this podcast of over of blending too much of the world into the church and their Christianity and um, not just keeping it being respectful for those who served, but just a little too wrapped in the flag in that secular way that's not, I think, positive. Yeah, I think, first off, um, especially as we go into this holiday, um, and I think that it is good um, for our nation, uh, for people that are a part of this nation. I think that uh, Nick and I have talked, or not Nick, uh, Tim and I have talked about how 
you got Nick stuck in my head from Nick <laughs> Roberts. Um, Tim and I have talked about on the show about how we are extremely proud um, to and grateful, um, I should say, instead of pride. Um, but we are extremely grateful to be a part of this nation um, and that there are a lot of great things that have come out of the United States. Um, and we do, and I, I will say, I do feel like we feel some sort of pride and accomplishment in some of the things that the United States has been able to do. And hopefully some of the things that we continue to progress and move and do moving forward. I just don't necessarily think that they're always the things that we as a nation pride ourselves on, on a regular basis, but that's something that we can talk about on a different time. Um, but I think it's also healthy for us to sit there and look back on, on times of war um, and to reflect on those that gave their lives um, for causes that they believed um, were just and for um, and, and were right. When we look at World War II and we sit there and now the narrative is that it was this war against evil. Um, I don't think anybody ever thinks that about Vietnam. I don't think people have said that about the Iraq war. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things that are now in play, um, that we don't necessarily reflect back on and sit there and say, this was a war on evil. But that being said, I think it's good to sit there and reflect on our, the people that have given their, up their lives, um, for these causes that they believed in. And this is the same thing that I feel about any veteran, even if you're living, um, those that are a part of our United States military, those that are a part of militaries around the world, I think that they have bought in on, and I mean, we talk about buying in on missions and visions. They bought in on the particular mission and vision of their country, regardless of, you know, whatever, or the safety of those that are in their families. We've talked about it before, uh, Tim. I don't think we've talked about it on mic, but we've talked about it before where, um, you know, those are guys out there that aren't necessarily thinking about protecting their country every single day. It's more about protecting their home and their families or their brothers or their sisters um, in arms or whatever once they get out there. Um, and that is extremely important to them. Um, and so uh, I don't think that we can sit there and say that that we can't honor those people and we can't show them respect. I think that just where it breaks our heart and where we as believers need to take a step further is that we hope that someday, um, and it should break our hearts on a Memorial Day where we see people that have lost their lives on both sides um, for believing that violence was the only way or that violence was the way to solve um, these issues and that we couldn't resolve this peacefully. We couldn't have this happen a different way that militaries have to exist those should be things that are that are hard for us um or difficult and so that's it's it's sad um and so i think that that's something that needs to be said before memorial day um but always still forever and ever have a lot of respect and for people that are willing to give up their lives um, for these causes and for what they believe in. I think that's a very noble endeavor. I just think that um, I to associate it with the church, um, it, it's not, 
it it doesn't really work um because if we're sitting there honoring people that are i don't know it, it's hard to say on a podcast uh and yeah like, it's I, yeah i i i understand it's <laughs> It, there's a fine line. I don't think either one of us can define what that fine line is. And just to be clear, I don't think either one of us are saying if we did, for some reason, attend a church on a Memorial Day, maybe we're visiting somewhere and they're like really gung-ho about it. We're not going to get up and storm out and no. say, this is this is, uh, this is is against God's teaching or Jesus' teaching. It's, nope. it's not anti-Christian. It's I don't even... I think there's a level of bad theology and it can be destructive in some small way if the more you get into it, but it's certainly not something where we're going to break bread with anybody over it. Um, it's just one of these things I think, I think what you were saying, getting at is I think we need to be a little more thoughtful and be sure that we're just... Yeah, don't, I think what it is, is don't wrap the church up in your crusade. Correct. Is... Or don't even wrap the church up in the crusade that led to those deaths, just or or those serving. But well, I guess on Memorial the Veterans Day is for those who serve or those who died. Don't even wrap yourself. Yeah, and don't sit there and say like I'm going and I'm fighting for good Christian values or whatever. That doesn't even make sense. Like right. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm gonna go out there and kill all those people. And I mean, like if you're in the military. Yes, I'm fully well aware that there are lots of jobs in the military where you're not going out and you're not pulling triggers or you're not doing any of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of good work that you're doing in the military. Well, even if, not... if even if you're in a combat role and you're asked to go uh, go into combat, I think I've expressed on here, I know I have in our friends group on many occasions, when we go to war, there's not a there's not a righteous side one way or another. Both sides are ultimately engaging in something that is breaking Jesus's heart. Now, sometimes we Christians have a hard time wrapping our heads around this, but sometimes we have to choose between the lesser of two evils. And sometimes that means actually fighting in a war and killing other people because that's better than the alternative. And I don't think that that's what we're called to do as Christians. I think that that's the reality of the world. That Correct. We Right, like that. Well, that's what I mean. If you're a Christian no, yeah, and you're yeah, serving, yeah. particularly in World War II, you didn't have a, you didn't have up until Vietnam, you didn't have a choice. You were drafted. I mean, people even yeah, in World War II still. Yeah. But if you're drafted, it's like I can either do this or I can go to jail. So I guess you, I could go to jail, but um, what right. purpose is that going to serve? And I can either shoot this guy or he shoots me. So it's right, like, you know, or shoots or my he brother, shoots my buddy, or yeah. my brother. Or my, you know, like that's that's a reality, and that's why, like right now. Here, here's a, here's a line. I think we can we agree on this line. Maybe you won't agree on this line. Here's a line. Don't if you're at a Memorial Day service or you're planning one, don't stand up there and have somebody quote John fifteen thirteen. No greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is not talking about going to war and dying for people in war when he's Please. talking about that at all in any in any way. That is not how to apply that verse. So do not stand up there with an American flag and maybe pictures of young men who recently died in your church, as tragic as that is, and then try to drape uh, scripture around that. I just, again, you're not horrible if you do it, but it is misguided. It's misplaced. You're not, that is not what Jesus is wanting us to look at. Yeah. And I mean, and I guess what, and again, what we talked about before, where it's like, we're not going to storm out on a Memorial Day. We're not going to storm out on a 4th of July. We're not going to do any of that. 
we see it. I'm not even not going to go to that church. Like it's, I understand it's, that. It's, yeah. I understand that it's a reality of our nation. It's a reality. Like there's, there are different things of propaganda, which we've talked about before on this show. When we talked about the American, we talked about like, what does it mean when you say the Pledge of Allegiance? Why does there, why is there an American flag in a majority of uh, churches across the United States? Why? And a lot of people will tell you, well, you know, it should be there. Like we're, we're proud of it or whatever. And it's like, okay, but is is that what we need? Do we need that sort of national pride or should we be looking beyond our nation? Um, and so what we're doing on this situation is, again, I'm not upset when it happens. I I may roll my eyes. I can be like, okay, like here it comes. Um, and... Uh, you know, but ultimately, at the end of the day, what I what I would hope from this conversation that we're happening that we're having and that if anybody was listening, you're sitting there and you're like, all that I ask is that you question it. You sit there and say, oh, yeah, is that really what we as a church or we as believers should be focused on? Because when you take the regardless of what you believe on a church service. It, if you spend time on a particular thing, then that is emphasizing that this is something that believers or people in the church should be focused on for a particular amount of time. And so if you take time to do this, why? And is that what you should be focused on? You should do this with every single part, right? We talked yeah. about it with worship like right. a couple of weeks ago. We talked about, is this what we really should focus on with, with our worship? Is this what we should focus on with our sermons? Is this what we should focus on with this? These are, you should be questioning every step. And this is one of those things on particular holidays hell go to christmas and question the advent candles like sit there and be like why do we take time for this and if you sit there and you question this particular thing you're gonna not find i mean you could find like you could pull up this verse in john and take it out of context and say that this is what it's talking about but you will not find if you really dig at it a reason to do this you'll find that this is embedded in american culture it's not embedded in christianity and honoring those people and understand that it's an american holiday not a christian one perfect example of that at the old church and again we're i'm picking on the old church because they're examples i have yeah we go to an anabaptist church and they're like really not in that, yeah so. but the old church we were at there was we had a new young executive pastor come in he was truthfully trying to shake things up get people out of their old ways and he very intentionally he didn't take down an American flag, but he chose not to put up a very large, very large American flag that would have basically been the entire uh, well, the entire backdrop for the middle of the service. If you if this if the service was recorded and you're watching it on uh, YouTube or something, all you would have seen behind the pastor is a huge American flag. Right. He said, "We're not doing that," and he got a lot of feed uh, backlash for that. Folks, that is not where to put your backlash in. It is not disrespectful to the veterans in, in, in your church, those who died, to not put in a big American flag and make a big spectacle about it. And That's to, what the Monday is after the service. And he had to cave in and do it for the next American yes, holiday. He was like, all right, it's not worth the fight. Right. Well, he got a talking to from the head pastor. And he was like, and we had this conversation. I talked with him. Um, cause he was one of my mentors at the church, uh, and we talked about it and, and yeah, it was, 
it was a tough situation where it's like, yeah, that it doesn't make sense. And, and that's what I, again, this conversation is, I just want you, just, if you're listening to this, I just want you to question it. Just sit there and be right. like, is this really what we should be focused on, on a Sunday morning? Is this now you can sit there and you can fire back. Does it hurt anything? I think somewhere down the line, psychologically, yes. I think that there is an element of you continuing to feed this kind of beast. Um, and so that's my argument um, for that. If you sit there and say, is there any harm in doing that? And I'm like, yeah, I think it perpetuates this this idea that we can continue to wrap the Christian morals and narratives around the crusades of or this manifest destiny so to speak yeah. that we can continue to push uh for the united states is if we continue to have the american flag in churches and we continue to promote american propaganda in our churches and i whether you like that or not um because oftentimes when they teach you propaganda in high school um or in in the public education system, they teach you about what the other sides are doing for propaganda, right? Like this is what the Nazis did for right. propaganda. They don't show you um, what we did for propaganda. Like nobody shows you the the monkey drawings that we used to do. Right? Or we're they, show you, they show you the Jews with the long noses, <laughs> but they don't show you the monkey drawings that we did or, for Japanese people. Or right? or like, or we romanticize ours because because we're the just side, which is what we do. So Uncle Sam, which is straight up propaganda, right? That we that sounds like, like oh, that's that's great. That that means we're sacrificing for our country because we're wonderful and America stands for great values. Right. So it's no, still propaganda. Well, and the two United States propaganda that we always focus on is, again, we focus on Rosie the Riveter and Uncle Sam. Yes. <laughs> and that's what we focus on. We focus on those two. But like I said, we don't focus on the negative ones, right, where we had the zombie drawings. That's where zombies come mm -hmm. from. Those from the Nazis. And we don't show... Disney has tried to ban all of their cartoons that they had where they were legitimately making Japanese people into monkeys. Mm -hmm. You know? And... Um, and so this is ridiculous. Even uh, Warner Brothers has banned their cartoons that they had. You can find them, though, and you can see like, oh, my gosh, there's this grotesque way that we looked at other people um, from other parts of the world and we fed into that idea. And so and so when you so we don't like the word propaganda because we sit there and we say, like, that's a negative thing. Um, it's just a reality. And so we we are accepting American propaganda into our churches, believe it or not, as we continue to practice this. And yes, it does. There is a psychological element. It's not a big one, but it's still micro steps that change the way that you think and the way that you perceive things um, moving forward. And so that's just where I would say, question it, sit there and be like, maybe this just draws back the, the veil a little bit to where you're just like, yeah, you know, like maybe we could probably go without that and it really wouldn't affect me that much. And it's like, but if it continues to, if we were to continue to remove that from there, how much more would we be able to open our eyes to? It's just what I would suggest. So it slowly and it slowly detracts us from the mission and vision that we talk about every week. We as believers have a mission in the in a vision, and it distracts us from our core values. And those core values are being Jesus-centered, and Jesus being Jesus-centered is not uh, doesn't have anything to do with what we've been talking about for the last five minutes. I'm sorry. I mean, Jesus loves everybody who served and died, but he loves everybody that served and died on the other side too. Correct. So, 
Speaking of Jesus-centered, uh, we're going to take a minute where this is, when this episode drops, we'll be somewhere in the, probably around 45, episode 45. We should probably do a banner podcast when we get to 50. Maybe we'll have Andy come on and we'll talk nonsense for an hour. Um, so we, when we started this podcast, we spent a lot of time criticizing the church from trying to explain why people were leaving the church. And then we've spent additional time on some other podcasts uh, pointing out other reasons why people leave the church. It's a regular thing. But the core the core reason for this podcast, and I think we're going to be try to be more intentional about it moving forward, you'll probably hear us talking about it much more intentionally than we have, is we want people to simplify their faith, get rid of things that are distracting them, again, from the mission and the vision, core values. Uh, those things aren't necessarily evil, but shed those things that are a distraction and get back to a simpler, Jesus-centered faith. Um, because I think it's easier to follow. I think the things that we add on to our faith that we've added for 2,000 years, the church is just slowly, over time, for various reason, reasons, whether it be because they're adopting pagan temple rituals in order to attract people to go to church, or uh, or just people come up with new ideas and interpretations that they think are explanations for something Jesus says in there, and rather than it just be like, mm, this might be an explanation for what he's meaning, it turns into some new dogma that defines Christianity, and if you're outside of that, then you aren't a true believer. And we, the church, let's be honest, folks, for 2,000 years, we're coming up on 2,000 years, the church has been divided pretty much the entire time, un unfortunately. I mean, it's <laughs> when we're not talking after the scripture, it happens right away. We've mentioned several times on this podcast, the Jewish-centered and the Gentile-centered folks have a schism, and they come to an agreement but I don't know that there was really like, you know, the. I don't think really Acts or anywhere else does it talk about whether or not the Jewish-centered folks really agreed with it. I think they just went on their separate ways, but still thought Paul and Barnabas's interpretation was incorrect. We have schisms within the church. Some of the letters that are written in the New Testament, some of the books, what we call them books, they're dealing with little fights going on in the church, and then they just blossom and blossom and blossom, and then they explode with the uh, Reformation. And rather than the Reformation being a new idea f disagreeing with Catholicism, this new Protestantism itself splinters into countless groups of people who tell other Protestants they're wrong. And all we've done for 2,000 years is figure out not only how to tell non-believers they're outside of the group but tell fellow believers they're outside of the group we need to get away from that yeah I think and even though we've been critical of other christians quite a bit on the podcast i want to re reiterate because maybe i haven't been 
crystal clear myself. I won't speak for Colton, but hear me now. When I am critical of other Christians, I am never saying they are outside of the faith because of what they believe in. I think they are they are leading to other people maybe not being a part of the faith, or they're guilty of telling other believers they're outside of the faith. But what I want to do is to, with an open hand, extend to them and say, let's focus on the thing we agree we should all be agreeing on make it that and then you can go have discussions about the things that you disagree that aren't that don't matter but let's all agree that we're all under the same tent and not focus on the things we disagree about yeah i think i think i want to sit there and say yeah i agree with um with tim like we sat there and said we've told people on this podcast to go to hell um and like I've said before, when we've told those people to go to hell, we're like, we really want them to grow and we hope that they have grown. Um, and the same way that we've grown, we've talked about our growing experiences and we still feel like we've got ways to go. Um, I think that if you've listened to this and you've questioned us and you haven't left questions, um, that's kind of sad. But <laughs> if you do have questions um, and you sit there and you say, you know, better than us and that kind of stuff, or you are like, I don't agree with you there and those types of things, that's OK, um, because of whatever background that you have in your in your faith and those types of things. That's that's totally fine. Again, all we want to do is just have this conversation um to possibly get you kind of what I said about the Memorial Day services. I just want you to get I just want to get you thinking about some of these other thoughts that could exist um, outside of the ones that maybe you've been focusing on for so long. I think Tim said, you know, we're, we're getting back to this simpler faith. And if you listen to our mere Christianity, you'll know that C.S. Lewis talks about how our faith can't be simple. But what he means by that and why we talk about mere Christianity, because again, he still says mere Christianity. So implying that it is something that's simple, right? There's a simple, basic element to Christianity um, is really what we're talking about when we say simplify it is get rid of all of the other crap. There's just with our with our religion um, or with our faith is how I prefer to say it is there are things that are making it religious where there are things that you are being forced to practice that aren't important or not necessary. And so therefore it's making things more tedious. It's making things more difficult. It's making you um, hate certain people like certain people that you may not necessarily need to hate or like. Uh, it teaches you to do this or to do that, um, which actually conflicts with scripture because that's not necessarily this or that. And so what we're saying is you need to get rid of a lot of that other crap. Let's go back to those basics and then understand that when we talk about and what C.S. Lewis is talking about, where he says it's not simple from the standpoint of there are things that you are going to have to struggle and grapple with, um, with our faith, where you're going to need to know who Jesus is. And really, that's going to that's going to be a struggle and understanding that that's difficult at times for you to be for you to understand that there was a perfect human being and maybe there was a supernatural element that came with uh, Jesus Christ. And you're going to have to come to terms with that. That's not simple. Like if anybody has told you that that's simple, that's really not, right? And we've talked about that on the podcast before where we've said that Jesus Christ 
has had a supernatural element. And so in order to be a part of this faith, you have to have believed that at some point on this planet, something went against the laws of physics. And that's not simple. That's not easy to sit there and say for people. I mean, it seems like an easy cop out, but right now in the 21st century to sit there and tell people that something happened outside of the laws of physics, that's very difficult for people to believe because of how cynical and skeptical we are. We don't live in a world anymore where we believe in, you know, ghosts and uh, and all of these types of elements that used to happen 2000 years ago. Now, this is a very much world where we believe in science and progressing through those elements. And so we still believe to this day that somebody came back from the dead and did something. And that's not simple or easy. So that is kind of similar to what Lewis is talking about, where our faith is not something that's that can just be simply stated and like just move on past there is a complexity to it but what we're saying is you need to get rid of a lot of this other crap that is associated where maybe it's just been uh church tradition for hundreds of years and that this is piled on and it's like but that's not actually what the bible wants from you that's not actually what the faith asks of you this is what church has asked of you for hundreds of years now but that is not what jesus is asking of you and getting back to what is it that Jesus has asked us to do and becoming more Jesus-centered. And that's the important part. Yeah. So we're going to continue to talk more about it. Like I said, we're going to probably be more intentional. The reason why I say that is uh, we're in discussions with this group called the Jesus Collective. I think started a couple years ago. I don't know how long they've been around. It's, it's probably been half a decade or so, but... Um, my understanding is they started before COVID, but like everything else, COVID kind of blew things up. Um, I'll have to, we'll have an official Jesus Collective episode at some point, but we're in discussions with them. It's not a top-down organization. If you're in the church, it's not like some of these other organizations that are started by like a group of pastors or something, and they're trying to like uh, do like a top-down drive the church in a certain direction or drive uh, organize a group of churches in one direction this is really kind of a holistic um like crowdsourced movement of they do have a few people on staff they're trying to build an alliance but it's really they're trying to build a group of people that are uh business owners uh thought leaders pastors seminary professors people who just a wide group of people who are in the in church in the faith that are like colton and i if you're listening to this and you know what we just said for the last couple minutes is resonating people like us where we're really trying to simplify this get back to something of what jesus was really talking about and figure out a way to communicate that uh, in effective ways on Sundays and in other ways, and then also just deal, what does it mean is a Jesus-centered per? You know, so a lot of you might have grown up in the church and you hear someone say, we want to be Jesus-centered, and roll your eyes like, yeah, yeah, everybody who's a Christian is Jesus-centered. So coming up with an effective way to argue, no, here's some concrete ways in which the church has not been, and even though that doesn't mean you're not a Christian because you don't believe in this simple view of Jesus— we want to get you to this simple view. But then once you get to that, how do we deal with these things that we deal with, not only on the podcast, but if you're listening to this and you're a parent or you're a teenager, okay, what does it mean if I'm a Jesus-centered person to deal with war? What does it mean to deal with LBGTQ? What does it mean to be a Jesus-centered person and deal with 
marijuana use or whatever and just try to come up with effective ways that aren't surrendering core values of Christianity and not saying like you can just do whatever you want and be a Jesus follower. That's what mean Jesus centered is. That's not correct either. Um, but try to figure out ways to communicate this with about, without again, finding us 50 years from now, just have coming up with a new thing. That's <laughs> as the who said, meet the old boss, same as the old boss. But also, as I mentioned earlier, as this movement we hope grows, it grows in a way that is being open-handed and very respectful to those believers who are more traditional and aren't open to this way of just making it clear we're not trying to start a war here. And in yeah. fact, we need to figure out a way where your tradition, quote-unquote traditional side and our quote-unquote new way can work together to navigate this culture that is no longer quote-unquote judeo-christian and how are we going to be mo most effective in doing that and it will not be effective if we have the boyds of greg boyds of the world who are part of the jesus collective movement and again not to pick on people but the john pipers of the world openly warring against each other in essays in Christianity Today, which is, a, if you're not familiar with that, it's like the Time Magazine of Christianity, or openly fighting on television networks, or openly fighting in YouTube videos and podcasts, and that's not what's going to happen, and you know, so that's going to require both sides to come together, but I think Colton and I are animated to be possibly involved, officially involved in some way with this group so that we feel like we can commit, uh, effectively communicate what it means not just to be critical of this is not correct right but have a more positive uh message of we can uh, clearly communicate what a jesus uh centered believer is and what that means and how does that mean in your life and what other people who are tr getting into this movement are finding as well so well said yeah i think uh I think, and especially, I think it's good right now for us to reflect because we are, Tim says we're getting close to our 50th, but we're also like two or three weeks out from uh, from doing this podcast for a whole year. So, um, yeah, and just a good spot for us to reflect um, where we can sit there and say, what it, what do we want from this moving forward? Um, we knew what we started with um, and we continued to grow from there and have topics to continually discuss um but what can we do to continue to be thought-provoking and challenging and and moving forward because this is something that we enjoy doing and this is something that we want to continue um for the long term where um and how can we continue to positively impact um those around us and those that we work with on a regular basis and those that listen to us on a regular basis to where we can sit there and challenge you um every single day or every single week um, to sit there and be like, Hey, this is something that you should be thinking about this week. And you know, this is something to, to wrestle with and, and struggle with and really get back to that simplicity element and, and challenging that way of thinking, which I feel like we've done over the past year. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, um, just making sure that we're, we're intentional with it. And um, I think it would be really awesome. So looking forward to partnering with these guys, um, and seeing kind of where uh, things go from here. So.
All right, item number one. I'm going to read a quote first. I'll read the quote. That'll set the topic. And then we'll read from a scripture that will give us guidance as to what he's talking about. So there's a well, there's a school, Christian college near us, Colton, the Fresno Pacific. Why don't you describe it? Huh. Uh Fresno Pacific is my alma mater. Um, they are a uh, Anabaptist university. They were founded by Mennonites um, in our area. They wanted to start a Christian college. Um, and uh, they're actually a lot of the family is um, a lot of the Russian Mennonites that uh, came over um, trying to escape uh, uh, Stalin's regime and that kind of stuff. And so they founded uh, this school in Fresno. Uh, it's a really uh, interesting school. It's good. Uh, it's just, again, if you're unfamiliar with Anabaptists, like what our, our buddy Andy keeps thinking that we keep, that we yeah, he thought he th I, I thought he was kidding, but no, he, I, he truly thought we were making that term up. So we should probably do a podcast on Anabaptism versus. Yeah. And just kind of what that means. Like if you don't know those schools of thoughts um anabaptists again they're and i think that mennonites are a good way to kind of it it's an extreme version to sit there and look at but that's where you can uh just kind of reflect on that and just be like oh, okay like that it's kind of like a a more westernized version of a mennonite so to speak so um their university that's uh here uh, they do a lot of Christian colleges or a lot of they do theology. Um, they do um, a variety of different stuff. I went there for my educational degree. I'm actually a liberal arts major. Um, so uh, but as a part of the school, you have to take Bible classes. That's fairly standard. They don't require you to go to church and that kind of stuff. A part of the Bible classes is you do have to go attend a different church other than a one that you attend on a regular basis. And you have to like give feedback and that kind of stuff. But um, for the most part, uh, it's just a, it's just a small Christian college in Fresno, California, but uh, it's very widespread at this point. Uh, people can take online classes and stuff. We met uh, somebody from Houston, apparently uh, over a, a zoom call that uh, is attending Fresno Pacific university from Houston. So. Yes. She described herself as Anabaptish. Anabaptish, which is probably what most people, <laughs> most people are. Most people, if they're a part of an Anabaptist church, they're not going to. But I feel like that's how it is with a lot of churches. Yeah. People are like, I'm Baptist. I'm the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, even if you're associated with a political party, I don't expect you to be fully aligned with everything yes. your political party says at that point. I'd... Well, I would say probably what? 70% of the people who go to Fresno Pacific aren't at Anabaptist they don't even know. at all. Yeah, like, they don't they even don't, know. I, yeah. It's like a majority of people that go to Fresno Pacific don't even know it's a Christian college. Um, right. So, uh, they're not associated with that. Uh, it's not. And even when you have to take those Bible classes, it's it's not really jammed down your throat. You look at things from an exegetical perspective. We live in a Bible area, so people don't really have a problem with taking those Bible classes. It doesn't really affect them that much. They're just like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, this is the faith that I'm a part of anyways. The, they could be Catholic. They could be whatever. Um, there's no forced religion on them or forced whatever. But it, it, And so what you do is you just end up evaluating scripture from an exegetical perspective and 
Um, and when I say exegetical, it means that the spirit is removed. So you don't sit there and say like, this is what the spirit is saying to me from this passage <laughs> or whatever. No, you have to sit there and say like, okay, given the context of 2000 years ago, what is it that this is particular speaking in the, and what we try to do in this podcast is we sit there and say, what is the context? Um, what does this scripture mean? Um, how would it have meant to those people? And then, but we do add that extra element. That's the part where we acknowledge about churches is we sit there and we say, okay, but there is still a lesson that we can learn from it today. So what is the lesson that we can learn? Yeah. Uh, but reflect on what it meant back then in order to dictate what we learn now. Don't sit there and think that Jesus was speaking to you today. Correct. Don't just like jump all the way to 2000 years in the future. Sit but he's and God and he can yeah. have two... Twenty different interpretations. <laughs> Sit there and to think about what he was telling to those people, <laughs> and then learn the lesson from what those people were supposed to learn from that lesson. <laughs> That's the lesson you should be learning. But well, we're going to try to do that today. So at that at Friends of Pacific, there's a professor Brian Ross. Uh, sometimes, I think I probably twice, maybe three times a year, he uh, preaches at the church we go to, Neighborhood Church in Visalia. He was there last year and did a wonderful sermon. So we're going to kind of steal from him. I'm going to steal a quote and then the verse he was talking about, and we're going to talk about it. So his quote was, according to Jesus, you should be afraid of your own twisted potential. You should be afraid of the ugliness that you could unleash on yourself and others. So just, we've talked about it before, where before we get started, Tim and I usually debrief and we're like, okay, what are we talking about tonight? I didn't know we were starting with this one for this afternoon. I was like, we, you would say we were talking about something else. So I'm like, oh, okay, we're unpacking no. that one right now. No, 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 you're fine. I just was like, <laughs> I didn't know which one we were starting with. Then So this is what we're starting with. Okay. So we're going to, it's, we're going to read now from Mark 7. Where is he getting this from? He's, he's drawing it from Mark 7. Jesus makes an interesting declaration that I don't think, again, sometimes Colton and I make de declarations about not really hearing something in church very often, and it's based on our personal experience. Maybe if you're listening to this, you've heard it before, it's been emphasized, but this is not something that I had heard emphasized in quite a while, or maybe when I was younger, I slept through it being emphasized, I'm not sure. Uh, so Mark seven, starting in verse five. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have to let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is put to death. But you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corbin, that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Uh, then he continues, and this is the important part. Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, 
It is what comes out of a person that defiles them. So what we're talking about this evening or this afternoon is we're really talking about this idea. I mean, if we want to go broad picture and kind of what we had talked about before we had um, we had started is we're talking about this idea of the enemy um, or the devil or these external forces that are uh, the spiritual external forces that are. Oh, we can talk about that for this. Well, I want to delve into that, too. Oh, what do you want to go for right now? Sorry, am I going too far out right now? Oh, we'll just do a big jumble. Well, you go. Okay, you tell us what we're talking about then. You go. Well, well, let me follow up with how Jesus... Comp- he says that, so I don't want that to be misconstrued as something who's not familiar with Jesus' teaching Teaching might take that as, okay, well, then I can do whatever I want with, when it comes to other things. He says, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So, What Brian was talking about that particular Sunday was we focus on the outside, on the external things that we do. And even Jesus says, you know, there are external things that we can't do, but it's because they're coming from a twisted inside. But what Brian was wanting people who were listening to him focus on was the nasty things we say to other people, the... the that I don't think a lot of us as believers sometimes focus enough on. We are focused too much on the sexual sins and the alcohol and all these other things that we want to, because it's very easy to condemn people for the things that we're observing of them and set them as being outside the faith. But we don't often focus on the fact that I'm supposed to be a Jesus follower and maybe I'm a pastor of a really big church and behind closed doors... It's not that you have a filthy mouth and swear. It's not the swearing. It's you have a horrible temper. That you have no patience for anybody. Yeah, I think... I think that maybe what we're actually getting at... Well, I, as far as in this particular instance, because I'm now tracking a little bit better. I think that there is something to be said about the human soul. Um, and I just don't have a better term for it. Um, but also understanding that we, if we have done so much work with developmental psychology, we know, um, how the way that you were raised based off of the, the treatment that you got as a child, based off of the types of parents that you had, we can sit there and say what type of child you're going to grow up to be. There's this thing called an ACE score where we can talk about whether the traumatic events that you experience as a child will dictate how successful you're going to be later on in life. And there's a, there's a variety of different things that we can sit there and dictate based off of the way things have been for you. But regardless of that, the, and 
and again, we also started this podcast by talking about like, you know, there's mental health out there that the, these are things that you need to be able to to get help for and, and understand. But there is an element of self-control always. And I hope that we have hit this enough on this podcast, but I will probably never, ever stop talking about it because understanding that the scripture is not talking about how we should be thinking of other people. It is how you should be reflecting upon yourself. I'm not sitting there saying that you sit there and like, woe is me. I'm a terrible human being, blah, blah, blah. That's not what it is. No. It is, I've messed up. How can I correct this? I've messed up here. How can I correct this? And if you're sitting, and Jesus has given us plenty of opportunities to where he sits there. And this is where I think that this is a better scripture for this, where he sits there and says, if you sit, if you think that you are blameless and the elements of adultery or whatever, what about the times where you have lusted after a woman in your own heart, right? And what he's talking about is what is going on in your brain? What is going on in what I'm saying in this instance, in your soul? Are you keeping your soul? Are you continuing to feed your soul with uh, elements of disgust, um, anger, um, hatred towards other people? Um, and eventually those things seep out. Um and yeah, there there could be lots of pressures that you're experiencing and those things come out during those times or whatever, but really understanding, do you actually see the best in people or do you not? There's ways that we are constantly sitting there and I think that television is terrible for this. I think movies can also be really bad. I think that there is a YouTube videos... Hey, I think that there are things going on where you are susceptible. There's so many people that are susceptible out there to corrupting this soul that they have um, and just letting garbage come in and letting it sit there and fester and eventually garbage is able to seep out. Um, and it's a beast that you continue to feed and understanding that our soul is something that you should protect. It's something that you should guard um, to to kind of keep yourself from these negative thoughts, these, um, or these bad ones, um, right. Where, like I said, where, you know, if you have hatred towards somebody, that's the same thing as murdering someone in, in God's eyes, as far as this is somebody that I have loved and they are dead to you in your mind, but they're not dead in real life. But that's yeah. like the same thing. Um, and what's hard is that in our culture and in our world, that's okay. Right. Like it's okay to hate people. Um, it's okay to to lust after women like sex sells. That's okay. Um, and that can be extremely challenging um, for us. And I'm not sitting there and I think those ones are the easiest ones to hit on. And like you said, like you say, we focus on that one too much. Um, and I don't want to focus on it too much, but I do think that that is something that is easily obtainable at any point in our country is you can sit there and hate something and you can lust after something at any point that you ever want to. Well, let's take, let's remember again, where Jesus is, he's speaking directly to the Pharisees. Right. And this hypocritical culture that the Pharisees Which we don't we don't have that in the United States. <laughs> well, just doing what the ex exegetical exercise you pointed out earlier. No, I know. He's specifically talking to Pharisees, but as I have said repeatedly here, and will say repeatedly, 
we as the church have all too often replaced the Pharisees and do the same exact thing. So taking that into account, what are we living through right now? We are living through a profoundly, uh, you might call it disgusting, I would say confusing is a better term, confusing time of LBGT, yada, yada, yada. LGBTQIA+. Well, that's your definition, but there's a, anyway, that's yes, it. the plus. Uh, and what nasty things are coming out of the church's mouth, whether it be public leaders or what you're saying out of your mouth as a parent to your kids because they have, they're exposed to this at school, what is coming out of your mouth, which is no different than, hey, your disciples eat with the wrong hand because in Middle Eastern times you were not allowed to eat you had to eat with the non-bathroom using hand. Are you engaged in that? Again, this doesn't mean you have to surrender and just say, oh, it's fine. They can just do whatever they want. The point is you're focused on that, but you're not focused on the fact that you've just maybe called that kid or the teacher a disrespectful name and undermined that teacher or called them immoral when it's not your job to judge them that's where i'm trying to get this at no yeah well and that's what i would say is again or or just the fact that you just screamed and yelled at your kids because they were too hyper when they came home and just yelled the shit out of them and then five minutes later you're making great grand judgments about the kid who identifies as a boy now who's a girl and how awful that is Right. Uh, yeah, you might want to focus. You might want instead of that, might want to go to your room, decompress for five minutes, and figure out how to not yell at your kids when you have a bad day to pick up. And and when you're then confronted, don't take it out on some kid. And so you make yourself feel better, like I'm not the monster here. It's this kid who's confusing my child at school. Yeah, I think again, just it. There is a huge emphasis when reading scripture. And the reason why the Pharisees are in hot water all the time is because they are. And if you're sitting there and you're like the Pharisees, the Pharisees know the law. They know the rules. They know them very well. And the problem is, is that they're sitting there pointing the finger at other people. And Jesus is constantly doing a humbling activity to sit there and say, what are you talking about? Like, this is your issue, but meanwhile, there are so many other issues that you've got to go deal with. Yeah. And so that is how we should be responding to a lot of this stuff is. So many times we want to use the scripture. So as iron sharpens iron, I hate that verse. Like, <laughs> I don't hate the verse. I just hate the way that people misuse it. It's become a cliche. Yeah. And so there's this idea that we need to sit there and call each other out on our on our issues and on our differences and that kind of stuff that's from and where that is coming from is from very very close intimate relationships yes that is not coming from i well as iron sharpens iron i gotta tell this person that they're fucking up and it's like no you don't even have that relationship to have that right like that's the big issue where like people are are like adamant that we need to speak out against homosexuality on a sunday morning it's like What's the divorce rate in your church? Yeah, exactly. Are you? 
And I was like, and you have a way better relationship with all those people that are divorced in your church. And which, again, we need to talk about whether or not divorce is actually, no, I, I, you know. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, don't, yeah, but I know. But, no, it's it, that's important. Don't take that as I'm. Uh, no, I, know, I, I, I know. No, I'm not saying you. I need to explain myself. You you called me out. I'm not saying when I say that, that in, it, in and of itself, divorce is just, but. We like to go around as a church. Oh, here's here's just a here's a different one. A Catholic Church to pick up pick on the Catholic Church. Very adamant in many circles about abortion and other things. When you deal with your priest issue, uh, sexually abusing people on mass globally, we can talk. Yeah, I'm not talking to you if you're listening to this and you're Catholic. You're not responsible. I'm talking from a leadership standpoint. You would talk about the Pharisees. The I'm sorry, Catholic listener. The Vatican are the definition of Pharisees when they are very adamant about all kinds of sexual things and have been for two centuries. And yet we dig in time and time again and find out the proclivity that you are being very condemning of even burning people alive and doing the similar things Pharisees would, you are also guilty of in your priesthood. That is the definition of the problem right there. Deal with your thing. Yep. And that's, to be fair to you Catholics, that's not a Catholic-only problem. <laughs> the Protestant church has many scandals. It's just not at a uh, the corporate level because the Catholic church is top-down and protestantism isn't but we have just as many problems uh we were talking off air before the show started about the big problems that have brought down the hillsong industrial or the hillsong corporate uh corporation uh recently with its founder and other people who have been involved in it so this is rampant everywhere and yet we want to go around and make sexual sin like the definition of what being a believer is and isn't yeah, I think. And if Jesus was here today, he'd say, uh, <laughs> you're focused on quote unquote tradition, or you're not dealing with the speck in your eye. And you need to be focused on the hatred you have for others because you want to make Christianity just a, an older, a, a newer version of tribalism so you can say, I'm better than the other person. Well, and, okay, and here's something that needs to be said, especially when we're talking about hypocrites, is, okay, so one, we all need to sit there and acknowledge, and this is an important part of mere Christianity, and it's it, it's in the chapter. So the thing about hypocrites is, and what Lewis was talking about, is that we're all hypocrites. It's part of our faith that we have to acknowledge that yes. we are not going to be able to be the perfect being that's out there, that we are striving to be, and that we have to fake it to make it. So, yes, we are all going to be hypocrites at all times. But regardless of that, we don't sit there and evaluate ourselves. We don't put ourselves higher. We don't put ourselves lower. Based off of other people, we sit there and we say, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. So therefore, we are all at the same level playing field. Every single one of us are on the same level playing field. I'm not any better than my brother or my sister. And that's the hard part that people struggle with. We bring up evil people all the time on the show. And you have to sit there and acknowledge that you are not better than that person. In God's eyes, you are no better than that person. 
you all have things that we all have to deal with and understanding that there are things that we do physically outside of our bodies that we do. But there is also a lot of evil that happens inside of our own bodies that happens in our own in our own minds um, and in our own souls. And so we have to acknowledge those and sit there and say that those are the areas that I need to work on um, and really just be more self-reflective on ourselves rather than focusing on other people. So, yeah, it's not sitting there being like my kids are going insane and I'm the and you know, like I'm barely keeping it together. And so therefore I'm just going to go and berate this other person or sit there and judge another person based off of this or that. That's not okay. At, at any point, because it's just not helpful. You have to do what you need to do for yourself and help other people grow. And the way that you help other people grow is by loving on them and coming alongside them in their growing process. Yeah. That's the best way to do things is you don't sit there and you don't blame them. You don't start that conversation. But like, again, where it's like, if somebody sat there and said, I'm struggling with alcoholism, they have now admitted to you that they're struggling with alcoholism. And you're like, okay, is there anything I can do for you? And they're like, yeah, if you want to pray for me or whatever. Or maybe they're like, yeah, if you like, if you wouldn't mind coming over on a Thursday night, because Thursday nights are really rough for me, because that's when I get off work early. Um, My like, I had a traumatic event happen on like a Thursday night or something. And so like, I need somebody there on Thursday nights to keep me away from the bottle. And so you're like, okay, then I, you come over there and you hang out with them on a Thursday night. Again, they've acknowledged it. They've asked for it. That's what you're doing. You're helping them where the needs that they need met. And don't get me wrong. There are not people out there that are <laughs> not everyone out there. And this can also be kind of a bad example because not everybody has their life together enough to recognize signs or issues that yeah. can cause like these types of things. But just being for there, being there for them and loving on them is what they need. It's what everyone on this planet needs. Actually, what our our world craves and cries out for is love. Love from the Father that is now separated because of the sin that has happened on this earth, that this brokenness that has happened on this earth is we crave for that unconditional love um, from our Father um, that we can't get, but the, where we can get it from is from the message of the Son that we are supposed to live out and share with other people is that love of the father, which is that unconditional love that we are supposed to bestow upon every single person. And that helps repair this earth um, and this world that we live in. And so that is what we are called to do. Definitely not judge, definitely not correct, but to love. Yeah. Unconditionally. Um, I think a good example of it is Well, I don't know. I don't even know if it's a good example. But I will actually, I mean, it's the prodigal son. So you may sit there and you may have a friend that's struggling and is having issues, right? Um, or they go and they go do some stupid thing or they go out and they're doing this. But you continue to show them love throughout the entire process. They're doing something you don't approve of it. This isn't something that Jesus wanted for them. This isn't something that God wanted from them. And again, you see this from the father, right? The son says, give me my inheritance. Give me what I deserve. Give me this and I'm going to go and do whatever the hell it is that I want. 
Notice that the father doesn't sit there and say, you shouldn't do this. This is not what I want for you. That's not what he does. He sits there and he gives him his inheritance and he lets him go out into the world and he lets him go and do his own thing. And we're not, you know the end of the story. No, don't assume people. Well, no, I'm saying that people know the end of the story to where we sit there and say, well, the father can sit there and say, well, he knew better all along. He knew that the son would come crawling back. You know, he'd be like, okay, here you are, you know, and he's like, oh, I'll meet you with loving arms or whatever. No, it, it very much could have been. And whether you like it or not, it very much could have been that that guy went and he invested his money and he could have been successful and never went back to his father. And still continued to live his life. And are you okay with that? A lot of people would have been like, well, no, that's not the message. And it's like, you're right. It's not the message. But it's still the idea of that's a reality of our world that we live in. So where somebody can go and break all the rules and be just fine. Yeah. Physically anyway. Not necessarily spiritually. But they can go and they can do all that stuff. There, There's no magical world where this story happens where that person all of a sudden has like all of this traumatic events happen to them. But where I'm getting at with this story is, is again, this is where I get frustrated with the iron sharpens iron bit. Is that's not what the father does. Instead, the father continues to allow them. And then when the son sits there and says, I messed up. Then we sit there and we show the same love that the father did. And we say, that's okay. We love you. And welcome back. Every single time. That should be our response. It's not sit there and tell them what they're doing wrong. It's not poke them. It's not, you know... Do all this. No, it's simply we love you because that's the love that we're supposed to show to everyone on this planet. Every single person. We are because we are supposed to love just in the same way that Jesus and God loves. And that's how we choose to love. And so, I mean, think about children that you have that are now, and I say children, not Five-year-olds, because a lot of times the way that we believe that we're supposed to love people is the way that we love five-year-olds, where it's like, you did this wrong. I need to correct you. We need to fix this situation. So what I would prefer the way that you look at it is I prefer that you look at your, if you were to look at it like children, you would like if you had a child that's 30 years old and that is choosing to make their own decisions, their own life decisions, they're doing whatever it is that they want. How are you going to respond to them in the situations and the decisions that they are making? Are you dictating everything that goes in their life? With your friends and your family, is that how you're supposed to love them? Is that how God has asked you to love them? And I don't think so. I think you have to let them make their own life decisions. Just the same way that God lets you make your own life decisions. Yeah, I think all too often Christians have mishandled that over to millennium and disowned someone for some various thing like the son's drunk or the son just doesn't believe or the son's gay and there's this severance of a relationship because you don't live within the circle i've drawn of what is acceptable behavior right that i have defined as it is to be uh associated not only with jesus but a jesus follower right and if you love them then you're allowing for this behavior correct correct because you're the one who's yeah because somehow your 
loving rod and staff is going to be the thing that corrects them and saves them. Uh, because again, like with a five-year-old, and that's how we treat it is with a five-year-old, well, you you correct them, you love them. Yeah, that, so you, you don't you don't throw. Uh, a five-year-old uh, Robbie out of the house because Robbie has a proclivity to lie, tell white lies, <laughs> which are lies or just lies. And Robbie, you don't tell the truth. So you're going to have to go out. We're throwing you out of the house because you're not being a truthful person. Uh, okay, a couple things you brought up. One, the hypocrite thing I think is perfect because we use hypocrites as foils all the time to excuse or not deal <laughs> with our own uh sins and i say we in a broad sense i don't mean just christians i mean americans are really good at this politically uh particularly politically oh so and so's doing this thing that they are critical of which also my side's doing and so but i'm going to point out that they're a hypocrite so that somehow justifies what i'm doing because i'm not a hip i've convinced myself i'm not a hypocrite yeah the hypocrite thing is always overblown and usually and i've Try, I started telling myself this about 10, 15 years ago. If you have to employ hypocrite in an argument, you're probably it's probably a sign you're losing or you're refusing to admit that you're just as guilty. So if you're employing it, it's it's probably not a good sign uh, as to what's being argued about or what unethical, uh, sinful, whatever thing is being done. Two, you mentioned maybe things that have happened in somebody's life as to why they're the way they are. And I think this is also critical. Uh, generational sin is a lesson that is throughout the Bible. It's the lesson in great literature. It is now the great lesson is what has replaced great literature, which is great television and movies. And it's the idea that, yes, you are messed up by things your parents and your grandparents or your great-grandparents did to your grandparents and your grandparents then passed it on to, and it just keeps going and going. And all too often, it doesn't get just passed down. It starts snowballing and getting worse and worse and worse. And if you're listening to this, I bring it up because I think it's important. One of the things I do find myself disagreeing, even a lot within our friend group, is when someone's, we find out someone's committed a crime or we talk about homeless and it's just kind of brushed over that someone's that way because something happened at home and it's just like, well, that doesn't excuse it. And that's true. It doesn't excuse it. Right. But I think all too often Christians don't try to reflect and sit down and think, uh, by the grace of God, I didn't live in that household, or I did live in that household, but I got exposed to Jesus before it took hold that anger and that rage or that repetition uh, that I was learning from my father or my mother got re ingrained in me, or Jesus just took it away. And I, t I got to tell you, I find my, and I don't listen when you're listening, please, if you're listening to this, I'm not saying this because I'm a better person. I'm not trying to say that I'm a better person. I'm, that's not what I mean. But you I hypocrite. do, 
<laughs> I am a burger. I am more animated. I am very animated about finding out why someone is that way. And I think it does often, even if that person's not repentant of just being like, ah, I understand why. And it doesn't excuse the behavior. I'll give you an example. Uh, Succession TV show, by the time this drops, if you're watching Succession, you're not watching the current and last season, shame on you. But it comes out that the pro the antagonist, protagonist of the show, the father, who's this just horrible person, just a, a force of nature, just terrible with his children. He's just this, he's got everything, temper, blah, 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 blah. He dies at his funeral. His brother stands up. And his brother clearly tells a story no one's ever heard because the children, you can tell, are the looks on their face in the show. These actors are very good at portraying like, <laughs> that's why dad was the way dad was. And what does he tell? He tells a story of they get sent from uh, the UK to America to escape the bombing. They're put on a ship. While they're on the ship, uh, they have a mechanical problem. The children are told you can't breathe, cough talk at all because if you do if you do we're gonna get sunk by uh german u-boats so for five days they sit in this boat all scared to death they're gonna die they get to scotland i mean to canada they're cared for by their aunt and uncle it's uh two brothers and a sister uh the guy who's the the, the horrible guy who's died uh, gets sick he's sent off he gets healthy he comes back his sister then catches what he had, dies, and his aunt and uncle for the rest of his life blame him for his sister dying. Right. His brother telling the story does not like his brother. He's very clear, I love my brother, but I hate my brother because his brother stands for everything in the world he is against on top of being an asshole to everybody. And he goes on after he tells the story to tell all the terrible things he's done as basically the Rupert Murdoch of media. But you can tell in that moment he's trying to explain in particular to his nephews and his niece, this is why your father was that way. And while I can't excuse the way he turned out and he lived to be 70 something years old and had plenty of time to correct the sins of in this case his uncle and just life because sometimes it's just life w really harsh life creates really harsh people it gives one an understanding just okay he just didn't come out of the womb an angry prick <laughs> the world shaped him that way and I think as believers, we don't often dig deep enough either with prominent figures in the world that we don't like, that we just think are awful, terrible people, or just people that we come across with at work, or our own fathers and mothers of just saying, I'm not going to let this excuse the way you behave, and it doesn't mean I'm going to expose myself to you on a regular basis. But I now have an understanding that I can pray for. And when it's pertinent to speak to and say, yeah, what was it like living under a horrible gr grandfather was a terrible person who raged, was a raging drunk. 
who beat you all the time? What was that like? And maybe in those conversations, the conversation about Jesus and yeah, it's, it wasn't fun and whatnot, or, and I'm, and I know I'm replicating that and I apologize to you and I wish I hadn't, but I raised you the same way. But all too often, we're just like, they're bad. They're going to get punishment. It The punishment's just, and yeah, I believe that there's, they can be saved too, but they're getting what they deserve. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to look for excuses. I think that, again, what the scriptures talk about is, again, you have a personal responsibility. Um, and so when you reflect on your own actions, you need to sit there and say, what have I consciously decided to do um, that is good or bad? And is this in line with what Jesus does? Um, that's how you re should reflect. And as much as you can, that's how you should try to dictate your life. I know that it's really like if you sit there and say like WWJD, like um, <laughs> that's not exactly what I'm getting at. Either, no, but just um, really just being reflective of just being like, is this um, and inviting Jesus into those moments and sitting there and saying like, is this um, is this how I really wanted to respond to this? Is this how I want to react or is this my father coming out? Is this my mother coming out? Um, is this the way that I was raised? Um, maybe it, it, there's different a variety of different things. Do I feel the need to be in a relationship all the time because I didn't have, you know, a steady um father or mother yeah. figure in my yeah, life. Yeah. You know, like there's a variety of different things that happen to people um, that they don't necessarily realize is happening in their body or in their soul um, on a regular basis because they're not acknowledging their upbringing and this generational sin that we've talked about. They don't understand that maybe they consume alcohol because they watch their father drink alcohol religiously um, growing up or um, or that they have this or that. Um, some of them are good. We inherit good traits from our parents. We also inherit shitty ones from our parents. Um, and I think that we're growing and we're developing. Um, this is something that we talked about with or that Tim and I have talked about where there was this huge push from the Gen X movement um, to not be like their parents. Um, the boomers were a bunch of drunks. Um <laughs> Uh, they were uh, they were people that were born from hard from parents of hard times. Yes, uh, the depression and the uh, World War Two, World War One parents um, had their children. They were the boomers, and so they were the and I mean honestly, if you reflect on it, the boomers were were victims of some horrific stuff. Yeah. Um. Uh, and they were lavished with unbelievable amounts of new wealth that got created after world that just just right. Was, and so there was this there's this weird kind of paradigm that kind of exists. And so they had this. Um, and so Gen Xers kind of revolted. And this is what they had from it. Millennials have uh, bucked against the system from their Gen X parents who had this or that situation going on. Um, and really, actually, I mean, it, millennials are boomers, children, Gen Xers are 
usually somewhere in between. It's just kind of a, a hard, but understanding that there is a resistance to the parents that they had before them. Um, and now you have Gen Z who is just openly uh, against, and we've talked about the pendulum swing and kind of where those things go, but really understanding that the, that we are, believe it or not, whether you like it or not, we as a society are growing, whether it's whether you like it or not, uh, we are growing. Oh, wow. You're bringing this back up. <laughs> no. Oh, it's like, <laughs> oh, geez. Um, we're growing as a society and things, I don't know. You may sit there and say things are not getting better. I'm saying that People are understanding more and more as, and I, I have to believe that things are getting better. I have to believe that because we have to have hope. And I hope that, that we are, even though we're sitting there and we are hating the hypocrites, I'm not saying that we are anywhere close to perfect. If we are just even just an inch better than yesterday, yeah, then that's okay. By the grace of God, go I. But I'm still saying that there are when we when we're talking about this subject and we sit there and we talk about these hypocrites and stuff, I, I want to challenge anybody that listens to this podcast that you need to sit there and reflect on yourself first instead of sitting there and blaming all of these people and sitting there and saying that these and and, and come from a place of understanding. When you sit there and you look at all of this stuff, there are things that you may not have experienced growing up, right? Uh, this is where people have an issue with critical race theory. And it's like, but you, I'm sorry for anybody that is that is white um, American. You don't know what it was like. And I, I, I say this emphatically. You do not know what it was like um, growing up in the 80s. Um, as an African-American in urban areas. I'm not saying that everywhere across the United States that you're going to sit there and have these issues or whatever, but you don't know what it was like growing up as an African-American. And we can't sit there and say that. I do know what it's like based off a history textbook or based off of what I can see or whatever. But if you're there, who do you idolize? Who do you, who do you look up to in those situations? Do you sit there and do you look up to Ronald Reagan in the 80s? Do you? Do I? As an African-American young kid in the 80s, oh, I know you sit there me. and look up to Ronald Reagan? No. And so already that's totally something completely different because if you grew up in a suburban neighborhood in the middle of the 80s, and it seems like Ronald Reagan's saving your life. Yeah. And so... Again, understanding that, okay, so already that shift, there's that difference. And where do you continue to grow from there? When people in Chicago are not supposed to make it past the age of 25, do you not think that their life perspective is going to be completely different? I'm oh, sorry. And when I say people in Chicago, people from South Central Chicago yeah. are, do not have a life expectancy over the age of 25. Do you not sit there and think that they're frame of mind and their perspective on the world is completely different than yours when you're thinking that you're going to die at 80 years old. Yeah, and if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, they're not living to 25 because of their own 
actions. That that's not the way to think about. That's not the point. Yeah, but uh, so, but that's also the point. Is where well, I mean, like it's not the point, but it, but that's also part of the question. It feeds, where it's like, it, well, it it <laughs> it feeds into the nihilism of I'm not going to live past 25. So why do I care? Yeah, why the fuck would I care? <laughs> None of you would do that either. I kid you not. I had a kid in my class in. My first year of teaching, I had a kid in my class, um, had a degenerative bone disease. Kid was not going to make it past 24. He, what Basically, what was going to happen, um, he was already in a wheelchair. Kid was not going to be able to, a, after the age of about 19, he, his body was not going to be able to support itself. He, he would not have been able to lift his head. Right? And this kid was an asshole. <laughs> nobody liked this kid but here's the thing and we like as teachers we're sitting there and we're like why the hell was this kid even in school right he's not gonna make it past 25 yeah why does he need an education yeah this kid should be going and doing whatever the hell he wants yeah because the education doesn't fucking matter. Like, it's, you know, well, it's like an opportunity to be around kids or whatever. And it's like, yeah, we sit there and we we project that on them because we were like, well, you got to still treat it like you're going to live to 80. Right. But it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter. <laughs> and that's the part where it's like, again, if anybody sits there and says, well, they're, it's self-induced in Chicago. It's like, no, but you don't understand the, the psychological element of sitting there and saying, I'm not going to make it to that. I'm, I'm, why does it matter? I live for today because I'm not getting tomorrow. Yeah. And drugs help with today. Gangs help with today. And it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow because I'm going to be dead tomorrow. So. And so if you sit there and you judge those people based off of that without understanding and not coming from a place of understanding, then you're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. Focus on yourself. But also at the same time, while you're focusing on yourself, try to do some research and understand what it is that's going on with other people around the world. And understand... Yeah, well, instead of just being focused on large parts of urban Chicago are... <laughs> Sorry, that feeding on itself. No, but it's a perfect example. Um, Baltimore is the same. Yeah, we, we can just say, well, they're doing it to themselves. But what, what got them to that place? And again, and often it's not one thing. It's not somebody's tax policy or someone's social policy. It's it's a myriad of. A bunch of things, both social and cultural and government or private sector, who knows. But it's not just, you can't get to the point where just like these groups of people are acting, they're, they're acting in a savage way. Just let them, just leave them to their own devices. It's not helpful. No. It's not our job to go in there as Christians and go and try to save them either, but just uh, as Colton and I have been saying, is some level of perspective. 
I mean, that's similar to, I think, those of us who are more inclined to be involved in the homeless thing. It's like, what's leading this? It's, it's not just people decide we had tens of thousands of people a couple of years ago decide, hey, you know what I want to do is just live it on the streets. Right. These aren't, this isn't like a hobo from the fort, from the depression. There's nothing romantic about it. If you're a woman living on the streets, it's, it's a statistical certainty that you've been sexually abused multiple times while you're out on the street. Right. And if you're a male, you've probably been assaulted by somebody else. So it's, this isn't, we see the unpleasantness, just the dirtiness of it and whatnot, or, and get upset because somebody's not getting a job because, you know, there's just jobs out there people can just go sign up for and get a job. Yeah, everybody wants, everybody has jobs. Um, yeah, there's a, uh, what led them to that level of desperation? Well, that's it for this episode of the Go to Hell podcast. We thank you for listening. Show voiceovers, courtesy of Eleven Labs. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Post your comments, questions, criticisms, or an invitation to Hades on Twitter at the Go to Hell Pod and Instagram at Go to Hell Pod. Email us at Tim at Go to Hell Podcast.com or Colton at Go to Hell Podcast.com. If you think you're a good person and all the problems in the world are because of other people, I say this with all due respect, and I do mean all due respect. Go to hell.